Scripture reading today is John 3, verses 1 through 4. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. We ask God to bless these words to our hearts and our mind. I think I introduced myself to most of you before the service. My name is Dave, um, and uh, I'm currently pastoring a church called Walk of Grace Chapel. And uh, Daryl not only comes here, when he leaves here, he comes over to our church. So we've known Daryl a very long time. But it's always my privilege to share the Word. Um, I've been sharing the Word for 56 years, probably. Uh, it's just uh, its a delight. And what we're going to share this morning, I've entitled His Amazing Love. I've written um, commentaries on uh, four of the epistles, and First John is one of them. And it's an amazing book. John was the only one of the followers of Christ, the disciples that walked with him for over three years, that wasn't martyred. He died of old age. Church tradition says they tried to kill him. They boiled him in uh, oil. Um, but... The Senate reminded Caesar when he refused to die, kind of like the three Hebrew children in the, in the fiery furnace. When he refused to die, Herod wanted to, I mean, the pilot, oh, I'll get you, Herod, uh, wanted to do something else. Actually, the Roman governor might have been Nero at that time, but wanted to do something else. But the uh, consul reminded him, you can only send the man to death to once, according to Roman law. So they sent him to the prison island of Patmos. And uh, while there, he wrote the book of Revelation. Chuck Swindoll, radio preacher, uh, pastor as well, but a very, very intelligent man concerning the Word of God. He believes that John wrote all of his books on the Isle of Patmos when he was a prisoner, uh, which would be the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in the book of Revelation. Uh, again, I would have no way of uh, saying that's a certainty, but nonetheless, when they uh, threw this man on an island and intended to throw the key away, God was right there inspiring him uh, to write some of the most beautiful writings in the New Testament. And what he wrote, what we're going to cover this morning, what he wrote is amazing. My text is First uh, John chapter 3, and I'm going to cover the first three verses of this chapter, and I'm going to throw in a few other verses along the way. But in verse 1 of First John 3, here's what 
John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote. And because the Word of God is for us, he didn't only read it to those who would get their physical hands on a copy. He wrote it to you and I and to all who were followers of Christ. So verse 1 reads this way. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. A modern translation, the New Living Translation, words that same verse this way. See how very much our Heavenly Father loves us. For He allows us to be called His children, and we really are. But the people who belong to this world don't know God, so they don't understand that we are His children. One of the most amazing truths of the Word of God is you and I are part of the family of God. It's only two ways you can become part of a family. You're either born into a family or adopted into a family. And there's a sense in which both apply to the Christian. An amazing, amazing truth is that Almighty God loves you so much that He sent His Son Jesus to be born of a virgin on this planet. And I tell you, this amazes me so much when I ponder it. it. It just never ceases to blow me away. Jesus is God like Father is God, like the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus had for an eternity. He was omnipresent. That means he was everywhere all the time. There wasn't any place where he wasn't. And in Philippians chapter 2, we, uh, we read about the kenosis of Christ. That's what Christ had to do to fulfill the will of his Father. What Christ had to do was lay aside some of his privileges as being God. He never quit being God, but he laid aside certain privileges. He didn't exercise certain power that he had as God for the time he was here on earth. And I want you to wrap your brain around this. He goes from filling the universe, being everywhere, to spending the next nine months in the womb of a woman. You talk about a step backward. One moment, you're everywhere. The next moment, you're in a very small place. And he, laid, he did all that for us. I'm a songwriter. I wrote a song that said, um, He loved me when I lived in sin. He beckoned me. I ran from him. I don't deserve the grace he's given me. To think that God would call again. And again, until I came to him. I don't deserve the grace he's given me. He's an amazing God who shows his amazing love over and over again. Now, we are his children. 
And we are his children because we have been born again into his family. We were born into our human family. And when we come to know Jesus, we were born again into the heavenly family. We are legitimate children of God, not generic children of God. A lot of people envision that everybody on the planet is a child of God because God created them. You know, Jesus actually called some people that he talked to the children of the devil. You're not a child of God until you've been born into his family. And that happens, of course, when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only means of your salvation. And so it, it's an amazing thing that we are actually the children of God, and he calls us his child. I don't plan on doing this, but suppose tomorrow was the worst day I ever would spend as a Christian. Suppose I slipped up one time after another, sinned here, sinned there. When God saved me 50-some years ago, he knew I would have that day, and he saved me anyway. The amazing, amazing love of God. Now, verse 2, listen to what it says. Beloved, now. I love that word, now. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. How come? For we shall see him as he is. The New Living Translation of that verse said, Yes, dear friend, we are already God's children, and we can't even imagine what we will be like when Christ returns. But we do know that when he comes, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The journey of Christianity is you're born again, you're a baby in Christ. And the ideal is that you grow as the years go by. You become closer and closer to God line up more and more with his word. And um, yet, the book of Hebrews, the author of the book of Hebrews said, when he was ready to introduce the topic of Melchizedek, he said, by this time you ought to be teaching others. He said this to a congregation. By this time you ought to be teaching others but you're still bathed in Christ. I can only feed you milk because you can't stand uh, food like meat. So God's desire for every one of us is not just to know a year from now what we know today concerning the things of God, but to have a steady walk of spiritual growth. And we get that growth by getting into the Word of God and seeing what it says. Now, why don't I, I tell you, how, how many of you have been in church for years? I tell you, I've, I've been in church a very long time, even before I saved. And um, I, every one of us has heard a multitude of sermons. 
whether it be in the church you attend, whether it be on the radio when you're driving down around town somewhere and you have it on 88.5, you're listening to some uh, famous preacher, or whether you sit around on your Wednesday Bible study and talk about the things of God. You're always exposing yourself to the Word when you do those things. So the obvious question becomes, why aren't we better at doing what the Word tells us to do? One thing, how many of you have pet peeve? I have a pet peeve. I got a gentleman in our church that now and then says, well, we all sin, we're only human. That's a lie from hell. You are human, but you're far from only human. The Holy Spirit, Almighty God, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Does that sound like you're only human? Not at all. We have one-third of God living in us, another third sitting, Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, constantly praying for us. We're hardly only human. We can do this by putting our trust in Christ. So I want to share some things with you here. If there is an area in our Christian lives where we're not walking in spiritual freedom, then there is a truth that we don't know. I get that from John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 31 and 2. Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So that means if there's any area of my spiritual walk where I'm not experiencing freedom, there is a truth that I don't know. Because if I know the truth, the truth will make me free. Jesus also, when he was about to go back to an area where they tried to kill him recently, his friend Lazarus had died and he wanted to go, because uh, you know the story, raise him from the dead. His disciples said, you can't go back there. They tried to kill you the last time you were there. And he gave this illustration. He said, you know, if you walk in the daytime, you never stumble because you see where you're going. If you walk in the dark, then you stumble. So if we are stumbling in our Christian walk, it means there is something we don't see. There's a truth we're walking in the darkness of. We don't, we don't understand that truth yet. And so we don't see, and because we don't see, we trip and stumble. And then one other one I want to draw your attention to is uh, James. So, so far, if I'm not living a successful Christian life, by successful, I'm not talking about business now and money. I'm talking about my walk with Christ. If I'm not living a successful walk with Christ, there's some a truth I don't know. There's something I don't see. And then there's a third possibility. James said to the people he was writing to, he said, um, you hear the word, but you don't do it. And then he said, here's what it's like if you hear the word and don't do it. You're like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. How many of you looked in a mirror this morning? 
We all know what that is. How many of you wanted to break the mirror? But we all, all know what looking in the mirror is. We do it every day. James said, if I'm not doing the Word of God, if I'm not walking out what I hear from the Word, I'm like a man who beholds my face in a glass and straightway goes his way and forgets what manner of man he is. You say, what's that mean? Till you look in the mirror, you see exactly what you look like. You get into the Word of God. The Word of God shows you who you are. Let me give you an example. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's how it reads. Now, let me tell you how it doesn't read. If any man be in Christ, he is gradually changing a little bit. He's not doing as many bad things as he used to do, and he's gradually picking up some better habits. That's not what it said. But if that's the way you read it, it's going to reflect on how you walk out your Christian walk. It reads this way. Any man being Christ, he is. Not he is becoming. He is a new creature. Every one of you that have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're not becoming a new creature. You are a new creature. And then it goes on and says, old things have passed away. Not are passing away. Have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The New International Version simplifies that and says, the old is gone, the new has come. You say, are you telling me that we can walk that way? I, I don't have to. God told you. We will walk that out that old things have passed away and all things become new, we will walk that out in direct proportion to how much we believe it. Let me give you an example that I often use. Everybody walks by faith. Did you know that? Walking by faith isn't the issue. We all do it. Faith just means you believe something. Suppose, maybe some of you do, you know a person who, when they were a child, was raised by parents who weren't very good at what they're supposed to do. And they would tell that child when it was growing up, you, you, you're no good, you'll never amount to anything, you're worthless. And that child bought into that. So when he grew up, he grew up with the attitude, I'm worthless, I'm no good, I'll never amount to anything. What happens? That shapes his conduct. He is walking out what he believes. Everybody does that. You think a bridge isn't safe? You're not going to drive your car over it. You're going to walk out what you believe and find another way. That's just common sense. Everybody. If you're liberal in your politics and you really believe your side's the better side, it's going to cause you to go to a poll and vote for the liberals. If you're conservative, same thing applies. You really believe the conservatives are better for our country? You're going to go to the poll and vote. What you believe produces a corresponding action. That's what we got to understand. Walking by faith isn't something we need to learn to do. We do it already. We need to learn to walk by faith in what God said. 
God said, I'm a new creature. He didn't stutter. He said, I'm a new creature. Do I dare disbelieve the God who can, cannot lie, the Bible says? He says, I am. doesn't matter if I walk, walk that out today. It doesn't change the fact. But the more I believe it, the greater my walk, my personal walk with Christ will reflect it. What we believe, we walk out. So that's um, an amazing truth of the word. So James said, here's the problem you have. You get in the words, you hear the sermons, and you see who you are in Christ. You see who you are. I am a new creature. But then straightway you go your way, you leave the church building, you close your Bible from your home Bible study, you turn the preacher on the radio off, whatever. Straightway you go your way and forget what manner of man you are. What's the key to overcoming? remembering who we are in Christ. I compare the Word of God to a mirror. I look in the mirror in my bathroom and see this, and I'm not thrilled, to be honest with you. I look in the Word of God, and I say, my goodness, what a work you've done in my life, Father. Not because my conduct reflects it, but because you said it. You're an amazing God who has amazingly loved me. It's, it's a truth that is just almost incomprehensible to the human mind. Let me show you something in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And I want to show you the journey God wants you on. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter in verse 18, But we all, every one of us, with open face, beholding as in a glass, a mirror, and in this case, the mirror is the Word of God. Beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Does the Word of God show God, us God's glory? That's the mirror we're looking at. When I am gazing into it, especially the New Testament, especially the epistles, you say, why is that so? Because when Jesus was alive in the four Gospels, everybody was still living under the law of Moses. He came to fulfill the law, and fulfilled he did. When he died and resurrected and went to heaven, he sent the 120 to an upper room to pray, and the church age began. So when you read an epistle, you're reading what the Holy Spirit is inspiring some man to write to the church. Every epistle is talking to you. Except Philemon. Philemon just a letter between Paul and the owner of a runaway slave. There's not a lot of spiritual meat in there. But all the other epistles, like First John, that's God talking to you. That's God talking to you. So, listen to what he says now. As I behold in a glass the glory of the Lord, as I see Jesus lifted up in his word, Listen to what happens. Let me read the first part of that verse again. So, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, Lord are chained into the same image. What's that image? The image of Jesus that we see. 
the image of the glory of Jesus that we see, when we behold as in a glass in the Word, we are changed into that same image. So, and then it says, from glory to glory, glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, the Holy Spirit is changing us into that image. Now, before I wrap this up with verse 3 of 1 John 3, John 17, 24. You know, um, John's only got 21 chapters. Chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, five of those 21 chapters all take place in the upper room on the night he's betrayed. In chapter uh, 17, that's, that's the chapter where Jesus prays his amazing prayer in the presence of the disciples. And as he's wrapping that prayer up, in verse 24, here's what Jesus is praying to the Father in heaven. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me, specifically the apostles in that room, the, 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 they weren't, weren't called apostles yet, the disciples in that room, but then all the followers of Christ who would ever come. He said, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, now listen, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Jesus said, Father, here's what I really want for my, my followers. This is the thing I really, really want for my followers. I want them to see me in my glory. How come? We found out in verse 2 here, of uh, 1 John 3. Now we the sons of God does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, listen now, we shall be like him. How come? How come we're going to be like him? For we shall see him as he is. Why did Jesus pray in that upper room, Father, I want my followers to see me in my glory? Because that's the final step of our spiritual growth. If any of us are alive when the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes back, when we see the glorified Christ as we rise into glory, we will be changed into that image. Most of us might not make it. Most of us might get to heaven the way everybody's got to heaven so far. We might die. Right now, death is the only way to heaven. I personally believe, you say, how is this possible? Jesus is omnipresent again. He's back in heaven. I personally believe that Jesus escorts every Christian who dies to heaven. You say, why is that? Because they wouldn't be Physical is not the right word here, but I don't know a better one. We're not physically prepared for heaven. This body doesn't fit heaven. This body has to change. It has to become glorified like Christ's body is glorified. And so Jesus escorts us to heaven, and we see him as he is, and then we are glorified. In closing... Oh, I, I don't think I'll go there this morning because uh, I want to wrap this up. Verse 3 in closing. He is pure, and everyone who has this hope in him keeps himself pure like Christ. When you believe, verse 2, that when you see him, you're going to be like him, 
He said, if that's a real hope, it's going to cause you to live better. If you really truly believe that the journey you're on is to become more and more like Christ until you are like him in the sense that you're glorified. That's what God wants us to believe. And if we do, it'll cause our conduct in Christ to improve. Everyone who uh, believes that, he says, will keep themselves pure in Christ. Would you bow your heads in a word of prayer with me? Father in heaven, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for your word. Romans 8 tells us those you foreknew, you called. Everyone in this room has already been called. Those you called, you justified. Everyone in this room that's put their faith in your son has already been justified. Those you justified, you're glorified. None of us in this room are yet glorified. That's the last part that is yet to happen. And it will happen the moment we see your son Jesus in his glory. We will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Bless your word. Plant it deep in the hearts of we, your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.